tap it in. Welcome back to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network, and now sponsored by Four Craft Cocktails. Got myself, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, and Colin with you today. We're going to start by talking about the Women's PGA Championship, which just wrapped up this past Sunday at Congressional Country Club here in Maryland. We were all at the Sunday round having a lot of fun, getting our steps in, getting our drinking in, and seeing some of the best women's swings in the world. I'm telling you, this was first-class golf. Some of the places that they were getting up and down from were unimaginable, and some of the shots they were hitting, we can only hope to one day. We had an evolving leaderboard throughout the day. We got to see Lexi Thompson take the lead. We saw a late rally from Minji Lee. And then our eventual champion, Dumbo, Inji Chun. What a great tournament, wire to wire. So we'll talk more about the golf. We got to see some of the women we were most impressed with. And then what we thought about the course after its updated renovations. We'll also turn back to this past weekend, other events on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour. The Travelers wrapping up as Xander Shoffley gets another win under his belt with an untimely double bogey from Sahith Degala on the 18th hole. And then on the Corn Ferry Tour, the live and work in Maine Open. Not something that was on your radar, but a Pearson Cootie, a really great player from Texas that just won a national championship, plays in his first Corn Ferry Tour event, shoots 20 under and wins. It's not huge, but it's big news because Pearson Cootie was offered a deal to go play and live, and I think we're going to discuss uh, kind of what these guys' futures look like if they're going to be turning down millions and millions of dollars from the live. Then coming up this week, we have the LIV or Live Portland event, their second event and their first event stateside. And we also have that competing with the John Deere Classic, an event we kind of all love. We might not tune into that much, but it's where a fan favorite of ours, Jordan Spieth, has had a lot of success. We'll talk about the players in each of the fields and then which one we'll probably be watching. So thanks for being here and let's have a great episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion, just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at 4craftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E, craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. All right, the big players are fresh off a championship Sunday at Congressional Country Club here in Maryland for the Women's PGA. I think we all had a wonderful time. The venue is is just really something special now. So that's where I want to start. I mean, this course looks completely different from when at least I've seen it. I was probably there, I don't know, six years ago. Um, they've completely removed pretty much every tree on property. I swear there are less than 20 trees internal to this property anymore. They've certainly like elevated fairways and changed green complexes. I want to hear what you guys' thoughts were on the course. I was really like blown away by the course. It was my first time at any, any PGA or LPGA event, and it was just, it looked like you always hear like it's oh it's so it's such a big slope or it's a really hard shot and you actually kind of got to see that there like firsthand watching them do some of those things and it it really did blow me away like it was unbelievable what was the one par three that we were sitting on uh first at the seven. box and then we were standing up by the green yeah seven, number seven yeah yep. to your point of like how tough these shots were we're standing there at the tee box and you can see them it, what looked like they were just getting over the hill 
And then when we ended up standing by the green later, we saw there was not a ton of room to land it, and everybody was going along. It's like, how the heck were you supposed to hit that green? Yeah, I thought those par threes were a little challenging for the women because, you know, like them being 170, 180 out, they're hitting like long irons, almost hybrids into these greens. So the second hole was playing, I think, a little north of 200 mm-hmm. straight uphill. And then the seventh hole was playing a buck 75, a buck 80 straight uphill again. I mean, you're right. They're hitting irons that are landing 20 feet short of the pin and then just struggling to keep them on the green. So I thought it was a pretty challenging, challenging setup for them. Yeah, I mean, even in general, that course played 68, 6,900 yards, which, you know, if you factor in the distance that men hit it further than women on average, that's like the men playing over 8,000 yards, which if they did that, they would just start crying about it because (laughs) it would basically be impossible, which is kind of what we saw. You know, these long par threes where they have to make these carries, they just don't have a club to be able to hit it that high and get it to stop. Or par fives that are true three shot par five. So it was it was really interesting to see some of these rounds that these ladies played where, you know, this course was set up very tough and they were still able to, you know, scrape together some decent rounds. Yeah, both those par fives on the front were basically three shot holes for them. I think we only saw Yuka Sasso was the only one who went at the sixth and two, almost beamed us. How about the par five on the back? Uh, yes, I would like to clear the record for that. Par 5 11th on the back plays a par 5 this weekend. Every single tournament that the men have played there prior to this weekend, it has been a par 4. And yet still a driver 3-wood for Lexi, who's one of the longest players in the field. So yeah, rightfully so a par 5. And then number 16, right? Another par 5 where you only saw, yeah, the only time players were getting home is driver 3-wood. I didn't see any irons in the par 5s pretty much all week. Yeah, that hole was, what, 600 yards straight into the wind. I mean, that just seemed impossible. And so, I mean, not surprising that Lexi did well. I mean, she is a, she is just probably the best, probably a generational ball striker. I mean, she's one of the longest and purest players on tour. But, I mean, once again, it's kind of like that short game and putting that kind of catches up to you. So I'm curious. I know we had, and we were talking about a little bit uh, when we were there, number 10 was one of the big redesign holes. For some of you guys that had seen it before, how do you feel about that redesign compared to what we saw there? Personally, I think 10 was probably my favorite hole to watch. Right, so we talked about it in the previous episode, but 10 was a par 3 that went over water. It probably played around 200 yards downhill, and it had like a big amphitheater that kind of lined the back of it. Well, they've moved that green up considerably. They've put water behind and kind of around the right side of the hole to make it look like it's half of an island green now, and it only plays 140 yards I'm going to say, like, I think the hole was beautiful. Like, I think they did a great job redesigning it. I just like the other hole just as much, too. So I'm, I'm pretty indifferent. Um, but we saw the crosswinds on that hole make that hole pretty darn tricky, hitting pitching wedges and nine irons with 20-mile-hour crosswinds. Viewing-wise, uh, that hole is gorgeous now compared to what it used to be. However, playing golf-wise, I think it's a lot easier now. I'm not sure it has kind of the the teeth that it did prior. I mean, the 10th hole used to be really tough to, like, make that turn and go into the back nine with that long tent hole over the water with the green sloping straight down towards the water and which is basically dead over the green now it's just kind of a 150 yard straight downhill hit the center of the green two putt and move on it, w- it was funny though con because when we were when we first got there we were seeing some of the groups tee off from the back and i don't think we saw any of them really put it close it, it, it I'll say 30 percent of the balls lot, were going to that bunker yeah it's probably a lot easier like you're saying than the longer hole was but it's like the with the where the pin was on sunday it was no one was really going for it because the water was five yards off to the right and everybody would seem like they were going long left or flirting with that bunker there on the left side of the green yeah it's quite the showcase they have there like where we were sitting a lot of the time up on that hill you could see everything coming in at 18 which is a a awesome ending approach shot with all the water around the green and then the same on 10 but it's like you kind of have to step back and realize how good these players are. I don't think I saw a single ball hit into the water on either hole. Yeah, correct. 
And that was not an easy pin, especially on 10 being tucked right next to the water. And we didn't see anybody. You know, they, they play it safe. They miss in the bunker, if anything. We saw a disgusted Nelly Corda who actually, like, ended up on the fringe. And then this week on the PGA Tour, Patrick Cantley came up, like, 65 yards short on a part three in the water. So maybe the quality is just as good out on the women's side. It certainly is. The Nelly, going back to the Nelly shot, it's kind of, I found it tough to gauge whether or not I see a shot and I think, oh, that's a pretty good shot. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> and then they, like, give they like are disgusted with Slamming it. And I'm sitting there clothes. watching it. Like, when Nelly hit that shot, I... And it landed. I was like, oh, nice shot. And I said it out loud. And Nelly goes back to her bag and slams her club back in. I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said well, that. Taking on that pin and being anywhere near the water, I don't think is anybody's goal there. So that definitely mishit it probably 15 I think yards. That's the so. classic example where the pros look like like crybabies because they don't really care where the ball goes. They want to hit it pure. And she did not hit that shot pure. Even though it ended up pretty good, she just didn't really care. So let's talk about who, who are you guys most impressed with. I'll start. Um, I was really excited to see the Corda sisters, right? Perennial top tens. Nelly, previous number one. Nelly's swing looked amazing. Uh, we saw a really cool ruling where Nelly was kind of in the lip of a bunker on a par five, dealing with the, kind of some of the, the construction pieces of the bunker. Didn't get the drop she wanted. Her and her caddy were pretty pissed at the rules official. That was really interesting. Uh, but then getting to see Lydia Ko was just like a dream come true for me. She's been one of my favorite players for years. Um, I love the way she, she holds herself and then also giving a ball to to a like a two-year-old fan right in front of us as she walks to the next tee just class stuff just completely ignoring us though i was a little hurt by that <laughs> all about the child 30 year old men they come and go but two-year-olds yeah they're the ones you gotta get ben, ben was trying to think of what to say to lydia when she walked by <laughs> they had this whole speech plan and then she walks up and just the baby froze. just steps right in front <laughs> the of damn baby, baby. <laughs> He couldn't get in any words out to say to her the whole time. Oh, God. To, to your point, that is, I think, my favorite part of attending these types of events is how close you can get to the players. It's like we saw Lydia come up right to that toddler, hand them the ball, and kind of share a few words with them and the family. And it's like she just looked like such a normal person just interacting with this toddler. It's like you don't normally get to see that on TV, but getting to stand five feet from it, that's pretty sweet. And then, too, there was when we were walking up 18, going to the food tent. Obviously, we went to the food tent. And there was a girl that hitting was a hike. What was the girl, the girl hitting a ball? I can't quite remember her name, but we were like, nice shot, blah, blah, blah. And like, you could tell she's this, Auburn. This was kind of a newer tournament for her. She's just kind of a new pro, but she was like, thank you very much. Like, none of those dicks on PGA <laughs> Tour be doing that shit. <laughs> So my the player that impressed me most, coming from someone that like hasn't watched a lot of LPGA golf, it was Brooke Henderson. I think that was the first group we really got to watch like tee off of one, and she just pounded the ball out there like 310 yards on that first hole, and it was just like holy shit. She like like out drove Ben on that kind of hole. It was very impressive. Oh, yeah, she was like 80 yards in front yeah, of the other guys. It was ridiculous. Group. And then I think it was her again on seven where on that par three that's like kind of blind shot for him almost and she she misses and it's having to chip up and she chips and it just unlucky hits the fucking uh, sprinkler head and everyone goes whole crowd goes oh and then somehow like picks up more spin and just stops like two feet from the hole, which just blew me away. It was just so cool. It's so ironic that we picked a part three to sit on, and we've, we we got to see like four or five shots out of like the shit left of the green. Like, you know, you might see that on like a par four off the tee or something like that, but so many tee shots in the tall grass. And we had, check out our Instagram, really great picture of Dove looking like he's like a marshal, and he's like telling people to stay with him. Yeah, they're the playing off these tight lies, and it makes it look, just very routine, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, I can't even visualize hitting this solid and not blading it over the green, let alone actually hitting that. Speaking of that, can we talk about how many times we saw people like just almost step on the ball, just kind of <laughs> walking by? Funny, yeah. Like three or four times they're in those situations, just like completely oblivious to what's going on. So we saw great up and downs on the par three seventh as women went a little long in the left of the green, but then on number six, when Yuka Sasa went for it in two, 
She was she was on a down slope on pretty much hard pan with literally no grass. And she chips it to like four or five feet. I mean, I think she missed the putt, but I was just like, not only did she hit it so pure, she hit her landing spot and the thing spun exactly how she wanted. She, I don't think she was having a great day either because she was very casual about it. Like, I think if she was up in contention, she would have been like walking it off, pacing it and stuff like that. She just casually goes up, hits it to five feet. Yeah, she had to chip that thing over like two different slopes and she started walking like right after she hit it. Like, yep, can't do much better than that. That's yeah. what it's going to be. Cool. Any other players you guys were impressed with to see? Yeah, I have two, just not for particularly golf reason, but... Anna Nordquist, I was impressed with her bag. That thing was all oh, the so swag, sick. yeah, swag dude. Swag's got swag's all, a great sponsor. How tall is she? Like six four? Oh yeah, my god, yeah. <laughs> she should kick all. She, she was kick she was playing answers. with uh, darn. Who was she playing with? Jessica Corda and somebody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Beast man. But yeah, the swag bag, black, pink. It said like give no putts on the the um, no handle. Yeah, with uh, a, a big skull in the front. That was pretty sick. Also, uh, Aria Jutarnagarn. When we got there at the tenth hole, she's just starting her day. Her caddy's out there stepping off, like getting the exact distance. She is like standing there still with her headphones in, listening to like with her shirt untucked. Like she just rolled out of bed and came right there. Like, just tell me how far I need to hit it and I'm going to do it. And she put it right on, right in the middle of the green. Yeah, I was thinking, I think I caught a lot of shit at this tournament because I was trying to figure out who was who. <laughs> and I think I had like an 85% success rate, but the ones I would mess up, I was just catching so much. Stuff I think it was more guys. of like a 15% success rate. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, you know, I'll echo a lot of, who you all said and i mean just in general it was so impressive watching all of these ladies kind of navigate their way around an impossible weather day with all the wind and how tough this course was playing but specifically a Titiku who's kind of a rising star only a teenager to be out there on sunday in a major i think she put together one of the better rounds over the weekends and you know just to be out there doing that at that age is is so impressive and someone we're going to see a lot of going forward yeah i think in another player that we didn't mention because we didn't get to see a lot of her because everyone was following her being in the lead most of the days lexi thompson playing with ng chun um i think the elephant in the room that we need to talk about is lexi's recent kind of poor success in holding sunday leads and majors she dropped a five shot lead at the u.s open last year she was up by two or three shots at one point in this round shoots like three over her last five holes She's very comparable, I think, to our one of our crowd favorites in Rory in that she won her last major in 2014, just like Rory. And uh, I think Lexi's had 11 top fives since she's won. Rory's had eight top fives. I just, like, these are two players that have very similar game profiles as well. They're really great off the tee. They're really great ball strikers. Their short games are hit or miss. And I think a lot of times the putter lets them down. What are you guys' thoughts on Lexi's kind of blowing up and giving the title away to Ng Chun? Yeah, it was really interesting, I guess. She made an impossible birdie on, what, 15? So she had a one or two shot lead, gets to that long par five. Beautiful second shot. He's got She's got this nice short pitch up on the green, and everything just went downhill from there. I think she went back and forth a couple times. And then the next hole, I think she three-putted her two-foot par putt. I don't even think it hit the hole. So clearly it's, I think, something mental there. You know, she's a generational talent, Tita Green. She just cannot get out of her own head putting on the back nine on a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the putt on 17, I'll give it to her. I think uh, Minji Lee also three-putted from a similar location. So I think just fooled the players a little bit. Um, her third, her, her, her par putt on 17, it was like a five-footer, but like, yeah, it was a hole right. It didn't even flirt with the hole. And then I think the part that really upsets me is that she has a birdie putt on 18 to get into a playoff that she knows because now Inji Chun can only make par, and she leaves it a cup short. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, you're right. There's something mental there. Um, I just, yeah, I think we saw a statistic 
Kopchik talking about Lexi and Phil and comparing their first, like, what was it, 50 majors or something like that, and very similar records. And we know that Lefty, although not in the conversation anymore, Rory's kind of like the, the poster child for this now, but Phil has had terrible success in majors. Phil could have easily been a multi, the, the deep double-digit major winner. Um, and, and it seems like if Lexi doesn't get her kind of her putting and short game figured out, at least to a point where it's just like she just looks so uncomfortable there on Sunday. She's not going to win I mean, she's, she's a, she could easily win double-digit majors, but I just don't think she's going to. I got to say, though, I was a little grateful that, you know, it played out the way it did, and we, did, we ended up not missing the playoff because the boys, you know, one of the you know, downsides of being such big players as we are, that, that heat was rough out there. So I was kind of grateful that we didn't miss a playoff when we left early. Yeah, free water for us. Beers were like 15 bucks though. So it was like a tough day <laughs> on the bank account, but a really great day at Congressional. The course was amazing. The play was great. Getting to see some of our idols out there. We'll be back. Uh, many, many LPGA Tour events in the area to come up. So we'll be back in a second to talk about other events from this past week. All right, we got a lot of other golf to cover from last week. We'll start with the Travelers up in Connecticut. Uh, Xander Shoffley, our 2019 gold medalist, gets another win under his belt. Um, I think surprisingly this week, I actually heard Brandel talking about Xander. Ironically, he wins. But, you know, Xander hasn't been in the winner's circle a lot. But if you think about it, he's got a gold medal. And then he actually won the Tour Championship last year. But because they have that staggered start with certain people starting 10 under and certain people starting 2 under, uh, if you look at all the aggregate scores, Xander actually won that. But you just would never know. So he's been playing really good golf. So it's not surprising to see him get into the winner's circle. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on Xander. And then our boy Sahith Tagala with a pretty epic collapse, a double bogey, uh, leaving one in the bunker and then not getting up and down on 18. So what are your thoughts on Xander and Sahith this past week at the Travelers? Yeah, I really feel for uh, Sahith. It's just, you know, it feels like that's happened to him like three or four times this year. And like it's, and he's that guy that he, you saw a lot of the Waste Management, how much like he just loves being out there. And you just, you're you rooting for that guy. But at the same time, I, I was thrilled to see Xander get back in there. Yeah, yeah he won at the Zurich, but that's kind of always going to have an asterisk to it. You know, when it is like a team event, it's not the same as that individual win. And, you know, I've picked him a couple times when we've done picks. So it was good to see my boy get, get back in the winner's circle. And a guy that's had a really good major championship record as of late. I think he kind of gets lost in this Will Zalatoris shadow because obviously Will is doing some things that a really young player hasn't done in a long time. But Xander's like U.S. Open performances over the past five or six years have been unreal too. Yeah, I was really actually, I know he didn't, wasn't really in contention last week at the U.S. Open, but he was playing well. He just wasn't scoring. And I think I'd comment to you guys, like I was really impressed with his game. Some of the shots he was hitting, he just couldn't, make enough birdies to get up there. Right. So I'm really not surprised that he was able to kind of get on the horse and win this week, to be honest. Yeah, it really sucks. I mean, for me, Xander doesn't move the needle at all. He's kind of in that can't lay bucket of it's hard to really get excited about seeing him do well. So I really wish that Heath could have won. I mean, he's quickly turning into a, a big fan favorite. I mean, he's so animated out there. I mean, we saw him dropping clubs and, you know, really getting into it, which, you know, it's really cool to see that passion. For a lot of these guys out there so kind of wish we could have had a first time winner instead of Xander kind of ending his streak but you know cool to see him kind of go not necessarily wire to wire but he led for most of the tournament I'd agree with that unless it's a birdie fest Xander certainly isn't that much fun to watch here you'll like quite literally never get a fist pump out of the guy but he certainly is an amazing golfer yeah and it was 
on the on the other side of the coin here, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, what a pathetic round on Sunday. I mean, that's got to be one of the worst rounds I've ever seen by a guy who's playing well. I mean, what was he like six over or something? I mean, he was he played some atrocious golf, but I'll give him credit. And I don't know if this is just because he shows like a lack of emotion all the time, but he definitely didn't look like he gave up. Maybe he was like completely giving up, and you just couldn't tell because he doesn't show any emotion. But yeah, he was he played a, a 180 yard par three where he hit it. He chunked it 60 yards short of the of the green into the water. I mean, kind of stuff you just never see. We see shanks from time to time, and we'll see blades, but a 60 yard chunk, unbelievable. I thought that was a joke when I saw that head. And then I watched the video and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I think he signed his live deal Saturday night, so he had nothing to play for on no, that Sunday. That was Kokrak, wasn't it? Man, I don't know. I think Cant- Cantley is like he is like prime USDA beef when you think about who's going to go to live. Like a guy that's definitely playing some good golf, but definitely off the peak of his career. But my goodness, I can see him going. Speaking of all that, though, can we just talk about Kokrak real quick? Is just like. You know, historic that was uh, bail on the PGA Tour. So if you guys haven't heard, so Jason Kokrak, I think in the third round, um, knifes a ball over the green on his last hole, which is the ninth. Um, it's OB, but he doesn't want to go back and drop. So he quite literally just gets in his car and leaves. Like just, <laughs> just I mean, stuff you would see in a comedy skit. I cannot believe he did that. It was phenomenal content. But that should, like, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't seal his live tour deal. I mean, I know he's been he's been holding out for some money, and maybe this is just some antics. I think maybe he'll be back on the PGA Tour in a week or two. But, yeah, he's pretty much said, hey, live, I'm coming to you. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, as the Rory uh, contrarian here, I got to bring him up, too. I mean, you guys were ready to crown him the greatest golfer of all time. I mean, he went out, did his patented great round on Thursday and then just folded like a lawn chair. I mean, what, what are you seeing out of Rory? I know he's got a lot on his back. But. I'm not falling into this hole like last <laughs> time. I'm, I'm respect myself. But Rory, I mean, I think you can only be the best ball striker in the world for so long. Like you're bound to have a couple rounds that can bring you back down. I mean, Rory, other than Matt's fit, Matt Fitzpatrick has been like number, number two in strokes gain T to green Rory. And you know, I'll give him credit too, because it certainly was an atrocious round. He put together on, was it Friday or Saturday? Friday. Both. But, um, but uh, you know, the two holes, so he had a quad and a double within like a three or four hole stretch. Um, but both of those, the, both of those scores were led to like really wayward three woods. So it was just really one club in his bag. He could kind of identify he's not that comfortable with. So I'll give him a little bit of credit. He didn't finish the week bad. He finished like four under on his last nine on Sunday, top 30, whatever. He's still playing pretty good golf. So another guy that's playing really good golf that we saw on the leaderboard this week was a guy named Michael Thorne Bjornsson, uh, active uh, player at Stanford and amateur one of the highest finishes we've seen from an amateur, and I can't remember how long. He finishes tied fourth, um, putting together 15, 16 under. When you see Patrick Canlay, number five golfer in the world, shooting a 78 on Sunday, and this kid, Michael Thorne Bjornsson, just throwing up minus four, minus five. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I was looking it up to see what was the last amateur to win, and I don't know if anyone knows. I don't think if I you, know. If you don't know, take a guess how many years it's been. Uh, well, I'm just going to say something. I think I was the only one alive when this happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's been that long. Good. Thir- 31 years, our boy Phil. Nice. Phil really? won. I wouldn't have guessed Phil. Our yeah. boy? Are you are you coming out as a live guy? <laughs> well, big live guy. Yeah. <laughs> the Northern Telecom Open is what he won. That's actually one of my more ago. fun things to do is go look at the old sponsors, man. <laughs> Northern Telecom. How many of those companies have gone under? Yeah, I mean, he was right in the mix, so he could have easily made some serious history, and I think I still saw it. This is the best finish by an amateur in six years. So yeah. still some impressive sh- stuff for the rising junior going to Stanford. And in the history of that event, which I'm assuming gets a fair share of amateurs kind of coming off the U.S. Open, too. Yeah. 
So then have some great NIL deals when he gets back to school. Yeah, it? certainly. Yeah, and then ironically, right, he says that his role model is the number one female golfer in the junior ranks and amateur ranks, who is Rose Zhang, who also goes to Stanford. And then ironically today, I saw that, so all these girls and guys are on their way to Sweden to play in the Arnold Palmer Cup. And Rose and Amari Avery, a golfer from USC that we got to see at the Curtis Cup, put up on their story, like, ask us some questions. And they were like, who are your role models? And, and Amari's like, Rosie's is Michael Thorne Bjornsson. So there might be like a little connection there. It was really funny. So then other, another event that happened this weekend, I think a really cool one, we'll just talk about it quickly, was the, the Live in Maine Open, a Corn Ferry Tour event, uh, where Pearson Cootie, a rising star that just won a national championship at Texas, ends up shooting 20 under, right? Really great score. Wins this event. But I think what's so interesting about this is that Pearson was just offered, uh, you know, an, an unannounced amount of money to go play on the Live Tour, and he turned it down. And then you see the success of him on the Corn Ferry. I think there's just something to talk about here. Like, I mean, I think me being a little anti-Live, it makes me happy to see this kid kind of like see his dreams through. Something he's been grinding on for probably like 15, 20 years. He's you know probably picked up clubs when he could first walk, and he wins his first tour event, turns down a big check, and he's kind of like you know riding riding the high life. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, he was very outspoken about turning down the live money, and then the next amateur, Shikara or whatever from OK State, I mean, he took the money, so, you know, here we have a top amateur going to live. So it's really cool to see, and it, it's it's fascinating because Cootie wins, and he's still stuck on the Corn Ferry Tour for at least the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's got to grind out to get a top 25 or something like that. I know they just changed it, but, you know... I guess he's trying to his grandfather won the masters, so he's got the bloodlines here to to do really well in professional golf. So excited to see what he does kind of going forward here. And so he gets himself a handful of top ten finishes. He's pretty much fine. Like unless he just misses every cut on the way and he's probably gonna get his card. Um, unless he wins I think one or two more times, which obviously is really hard, but we saw Mito Pereira, a, a contending rookie of the year this year. He was the first person on the Corn Ferry to ever win three events, and as soon as you win three events next week, auto tour card. Yeah, it, another interesting aspect is like, you know, okay, the John Deere's this week, what if they gave him a sponsor exemption yeah. so he could play, but then he's got to balance, well, I have to keep playing Corn Ferry to keep my status or to keep my top Not if he just goes 25 John Deere. Well, yeah. A lot of people get yeah. their first win at the John Deere. <laughs> a lot of people give. I gotta give. <laughs> that was a weird laugh. <laughs> and then, and then I think uh, I think the only other, the last winner I'd like to talk about this week. There's a BMW Championship. I'm not sure which one. I don't know if it was like the big one over on the DP World Tour this week. But a, a character by the name of Hao Tong Lee, who I think was a player that a lot of people knew a lot more about five or six years ago when he was contending uh, for a an Open Championship. The guy almost quit golf. He'd only made two of twenty cuts this year, and comes out and shreds what is probably one of the most elite DP World Tour fields. So just really good stuff for him. Yeah, I mean, Billy Horschel was over there playing. I think he won a Sunday duel against Thomas Peters, who is the one of the best golfers on that tour over there. So, yeah, really cool to see someone who has been going through struggles, just like we saw Inji Chun this weekend win the uh, Ladies KPMG PGA Championship, you know, kind of breaking that, breaking that slump and getting a victory and kind of justifying sticking with it. Yeah, I actually really like Hao Tong. We talked about how Sahith is so animated out there playing. Hao Tong leads the same way. I mean, this is a guy, he's a former president cupper. Like, he's had success in the past. Uh, he's just been going through it lately, so I'm really happy to see him win. Yep, agree. A lot of really great golf in this past week. We'll be back in a second to talk about golf in this upcoming week. We got some big stuff to talk about.
right, a big week coming up for the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. This will be the first time stateside that we have competing events. Live Portland at Pumpkin Ridge and then the John Deere Classic. Liv's definitely boasting a much heftier field. The John Deere has zero of the top 50 golfers. I mean, I think we always know that this tournament is not going to be a head turner, uh, but it's a tournament that our boy Jordan Spieth played really well at that you don't mind catching some late Sunday coverage on. Um, but it's it's a really big week in golf. We'll see how the PGA Tour combats Liv being stateside. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? And then let's discuss what are you guys going to watch? Which one are you watching this weekend? I'll be honest. I think this might be one of those weeks where I'm pretty much just watching, you know, occasionally catching things on my phone. I don't know if I'm really tuning in for either one of these events. Like, you know, we mentioned, you know, previously how watching Liv Golf was tough because, like, oh, you don't really recognize a lot of the names. It's not, you know, super you know, enticing. That's basically what you're kind of seeing for the most part on the PGA Tour. You, you'll know the names a little bit better because we've seen more PGA Tour events, but it's not a lot of like, oh, yeah, this is a big name. I want to see do something. The only only thing, like as you mentioned, is that Sunday round because this is a tournament that we've seen a lot of, you know, first-time wins come. You know, Jordan's first win. Former PGA Tour golfer Bryson's first win was on this. So there's been some big names that come out of it, but, you know, leading up to it, it's not really, it doesn't really mean too much until that last couple holes. That's a good point. I think that I'm probably not that excited about the John Deere, but you're right, man. Watching late Sunday, it always seems like somebody's in contention that you're just, everybody's rooting for. We were just talking about, we haven't seen any first-time winner or kind of someone out of the blue winning a PJ Tour event. We're going to see it this week. There's no nobody in the, what, the top 50? Yeah. So we're going to see a guy like maybe Sahith can kind of exercise some demons here and, and get that first victory after a couple meltdowns. But, you know, hopefully we see a guy come out of nowhere and and get a victory here and kind of launch launch their career a little bit. And to note, the top three players in the John Deere this weekend who aren't previously qualified get to go to the Open. So there are some pretty high stakes. That's a big deal. Yeah, just in a, top, a couple of weeks at St. Andrews, right? The home of golf as well. I'm looking forward to turning into the Live tournament this week just to see what's different in their coverage from last week. They had just a little bit of time to see what worked, what didn't work. Are they making any improvements to the leaderboard on screen? Are we actually going to be able to know who the players are and not just play the puzzle game of trying to put together the letters to see if this is a player that I've ever heard of or not? Um, being able to find the leaderboard during uh, or post-round instead of just looking for the ESPN article about it. I'll just interested to see some of those improvements that they're going to make. I'll, I'll tune in to live for the first hour on Thursday to see the course, and then I'll tune in to the last hour on Sunday to, or Saturday, sorry, to see if anyone can break 30 over because that's where <laughs> things are heading over there. I just think like live breathes and dies by it being close and competitive and golf's not always naturally that close and competitive. Right. And I, I know for myself, like watching the, the coverage last time, like the, where the teams stood and then where the individuals stood, I think was like, you know, you just wasn't covered that well. So if we get like a better, a better leaderboard update and knowing how crucial like certain players holes at different timestamps, I'm, I'm much more invested in this tournament. I think than the John Deere, it's going to be the first real test of live. I think last, the last event in London, the field was so shitty. I mean, what was the point in even watching the golf? But all the, you know, how many guys have committed since then that are legitimate players? Bryson, Brooks, they have some real talent out there now. Granted, they haven't been playing well, which is probably why they're there. But, you know, it's going to be much better golf, and so it'll be a real litmus test to how well this uh, thing can do going forward. 
Yeah, DJ, Louis, Brooks, Abe, Answer, Taylor Gooch, Bryson, Sergio, Patrick Reed, Kevin Na, Pat Perez. Like, that's not a bad top 10. I mean, there's only 50 golfers, so that's, you know, a quarter of the field, but it's, it's really not that bad. There's all names you know, which is one that will make you yeah. kind of tune in for it because if they get a leaderboard that looks like that, they're going to be putting it out there everywhere. You're and I'll give it. the PGA Tour credit, too, because we're definitely on a slow week, but here's your odds here. Webb Simpson, Adam Hadwin, Sahit Tagala, Charles Howell, Jason Day, Patrick Rogers, Christian Bezaden out, Maverick McNeely, Denny McCarthy, Scott Stallings. These are names. It's not like these are – this is not live last week or three weeks ago. Live three weeks ago was atrocious. I didn't know – I didn't know half the players in the field. I think the PGA and live this week actually probably have pretty comparable fields when you think about depth, and it's going to be a really great week for golf. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think I'm most excited just to see the tractors at the John Deere, though. What what, what new technology do they have? Sorry. That's, that's really what we're here for. I'm a Kubota guy, but I can get behind a tractor. You know, John Deere, that's not a bad tractor. How, how would you feel if, like – Kubota went ahead and sponsored the Pumpkin Ridge Tournament. Yeah, orange, yeah. Kubota. Yeah, uh, There's orange. something there. there it's there. I mean, the John Deere actually has a great, uh, sorry, TPC Deer Run. is actually a pretty cool course to watch on TV. The, the last three finishing holes are pretty fun. So you got the par three up the hill with like a, a big river view on the left side. There's an easy uh, par five, the 17th, that's going to be a must birdie coming down the stretch. And then the 18th is a tough hole. We've seen a lot of theatrics there. Jordan chipping in to win. He's won there multiple times, right? Yeah. Twice, I think. Yeah, I think he made a long putt there also. But. Well, we're coming off the Travelers where he holed out from the bunker in front of the green to win, and he also holds out at a bunker that John Deere like eight, ten years ago to get his first tour win. Yeah, how many times do you th- think we see that highlight this week? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a lot, but I can get behind any Jordan highlight that's on repeat. It's just I feel like every every year we see that highlight at least 15 times a day. And two, I think for us coming off of a congressional course that played like a little bit more linksy, a little bit more kind of like, I don't know, old school, but modernized. This TPC deer run is like the classic, uh, you know, kind of PJ style course where it's like the reason we think Rory doesn't do that well in majors is because he plays courses like these really well, where it's a little soft. It's really well, it's well tree lined. It's got hazards. It hits the ball high, lots of spin, but it's a course that you're right, brings a lot of theatrics to the table. Tyler, how about some of these captains on live? What are we getting behind? We, we know we got Bryson. We know we got Brooks and Abe, some new names. But it uh, looks like we still have a couple captains here that how the hell are they captains? That, that's what I'm trying to get. I'm looking at the field and some of the guys that aren't captains that we're talking about. Yeah, Abe Answer, Patrick Reed, Charles Schwartzel. It's like these are some of those big names that you hear. And then I'm looking at some of the lists. Uh, Hideto Tanahara. <laughs> I've never heard of him in my life. So these are not captains. These are just guys. No, in the this field. is a captain. These are captains. This is a captain. Oh my god! Hideto took over for uh, Taylor Gooch. It's really funny. I guess they're just trying to appeal to. I don't know. I guess he's like Japanese or something, and they're really trying to appeal to a different crowd base. But yeah. goodness. Then you, then you got your boy Wade Ormsby, who I hadn't heard of before the last live event that we were looking at some of the field. And it's like, how are these guys as captains over some of the other guys that we're seeing in the field? Punch Golf Club, Wade Ormsby, and we got a new name dub. What what name do we lose? Uh, I think Sergio came out today and said he's dropping the fireballs name, but we'll see. Big news on Live Tour, guys. No yeah. fireballs. We're going to see what they changed. As I he's can't pushing wait to see the new clip art photo they find for the logo. As he's pushing discounted tickets because they can't sell anything, so they're going to have to start giving them away again, probably. Cool. So it should be a really great week of golf. Make sure to tune in to the John Deere Classic here Thursday through Sunday, and then we'll have the Live Portland event here Wednesday or Thursday through Saturday, a 54-hole event. So thanks for being here. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at Big Players Only Pod. We'll catch you next time.